Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, let's pray. We're going to jump into part three of Summer at Valley Rise. God, thank you today for your goodness and your grace. God, thank you that we get the opportunity to be here together. God, to worship with your people. God, to experience your purposes and your plans for our life. I pray today, God, that you would speak to us. I pray not for a good message, but from a God message from your heart to our heart. God, we want to leave here transformed. I pray today that you would do that, that you would be faithful to speak to us, to transform us, to open the eyes of our heart and let us see you clearly. Thank you, God, for your love and your mercy. Let us leave here closer to you and closer to each other, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Well, today we get to look at an amazing chapter. If you're here with us for the first time, we're just talking through the book of John this summer, and I'm teaching through it chapter by chapter, so welcome. I'm excited you're here for John 3 today, and this is one of the greatest chapters in John. Maybe you've thought before, I I wish I could just sit down with Jesus and have him explain it all to me. Have you ever thought that before? And thought maybe if I had that, it would be, I'd understand it more. I'd be better. It'd be, it'd make sense more if maybe me and Jesus could sit down and have that conversation. Today, that's what we get. We get to look into a moment where Jesus himself is evangelizing. He's pitching the gospel message to someone who should really already know it. But he has an experience in his moment that he's yet to have. And that's what we're going to look at today. John 3, 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Now, let me just say, a Pharisee was somebody who was one of the ruling leaders of the Jewish class. So the Jews were under rule of the Roman people at this time. But in order to keep order, because they had different rules and different laws and all kinds of different ideologies, they said, we're going to give you your own governmental system. That's where we get the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin. And they ruled over all of the Jewish people. So this is what Nicodemus was. Nicodemus was one of the Jewish rulers. Nicodemus kept all the laws. Over 600 plus laws that the Jews keep every single day. And Nicodemus was somebody who would have known them all, kept them all, and his job was to make sure other people were keeping them all. So you're talking about someone who is skilled and tasked in understanding Scripture. He understands all the intricacies of church and life and the all of it. This is who Nicodemus is. A Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Don't you love Jesus never gives us the answer to the questions we ask? Nicodemus asked a totally different question. We all know that you were sent here to teach us. We know that you came from God. And then Jesus lays out a question to him. Nicodemus, no one can be born again, can see heaven unless you're born again. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Good question. Probably what me or you would have asked if we were there. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit, the water and the spirit. All of us have the first. You were born of water. Women, when you were about to have your baby and that baby was coming, what happened? Your water broke. So the first birth all of us have on this earth is a water birth. You come through water. And then Jesus says it doesn't stop there, though, unless you're born of water and the spirit. Jesus, what does that mean? Be born of the spirit. Unless you're born of water and of the spirit. 
Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. I want you to understand this morning what Nicodemus is doing. He's separating the physical from the spiritual in this moment. He's separating the physical from the spiritual for Nicodemus, and here's what he's saying. Nicodemus, inside of your human flesh, there is only one outcome. All of us are here today because either you were drug here or you want to get better in life. You want to grow. You want to look more like Jesus today than you did yesterday. You want to be a better spouse, a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, a better coworker. All of you are here because you want to get better. So let me ask you this. What would better look like in your life? Would better mean that maybe when everyone else was anxious and didn't have peace, you had peace? Would better look like in difficult circumstances that are really hard, you have a joy that's unexplainable that you can walk with? Would, would better look like what comes out of you all day long isn't mean or ugly, but good and encouraging? Would better look like going through difficult times and not quitting when it gets hard, but persevering through them and suffering for a long time in the midst of them? What would better look like for your life? Because this is what Jesus is differentiating with Nicodemus. He says, Nicodemus, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Do you know what goodness, joy, patience, kindness, self-control, long-suffering, and love, joy, peace are? Fruits of the Spirit. This is what the Bible calls the fruits of the Spirit, which means exactly what Jesus said. Humans can only reproduce human life. What comes out of my human flesh has only one end, humanity. That's it. All I can produce in my own flesh is humanity. And one of the biggest hurdles that people have to jump over to get to Jesus is this right here. I want you to hear what I'm going to say this morning. Jesus did not die to make bad people good people. If you think Christianity is about making bad people good people, you're missing it. Jesus did not die to make bad people good people. Jesus died to make spiritually dead people spiritually alive. This is the difference. He says humans can only produce human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. What is spiritual life? That's what we need to survive on this earth. The Spirit the Bible says we're aliens in a foreign world. That means this is not where we're going to be forever. One of the things Nicodemus is figuring out is this. He's figuring out that he is not a physical person having a spiritual experience in life. Maybe you're here today and you go, I'm a person and I'm just having a, a spiritual experience today. I'm at church and I'm going to get a little spiritual experience. That's not what he was. That's not what you are. That's not what I am. All of us here today are spiritual beings having a momentary, temporary, physical experience on this earth. The day will come where you will leave this earth. You won't be here. And your spirit is going to live forever. That's the part of you that's eternal. That's the part that's not going to die the Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. This is huge, this idea of born again. What is that, Jesus? Honestly, I think it's one of the most redemptive fixtures in Christianity. Have you ever gone through anything rough in life before? Have you ever encountered painful, hard things that you don't want to tell anybody about? Have people wounded you and scarred you and it's affected the way you live life? Things people did to you as a child, stuff that happened to you, things you encountered, decisions you made that affected your life in a way that you got to a place and you said, man, I just wish I didn't have all of this baggage I had to carry through life. Man, I just wish this wasn't all on my back every time I get up, every time I see those people, every time I walk. I just wish I wasn't. 
The beauty of Christianity is that all of us need that experience. And this is what Jesus says. You must be born again. I love when I meet with people and they go, Pastor, I just, I'm just born this way. Pastor, it's just how I've always been. It's just what I've always struggled with. It's just who I've, it's my parents were like this. And my grandparents were like this. This is just how I was. I was born this way. And I always go, that's awesome. I was born mean. I was born a jerk. I was born a cheater. I was born a liar. I was born a manipulator. That's why all of us need to be born again. Because in our own, it's not enough. I need something more. You must be born again. Jesus, what does that even look like? Maybe you're here today and you go, what is that? That sounds like a fancy Christian term. What does that even mean to be born again? I love that Nicodemus says the same thing. He doesn't understand it. You must be born again. Jesus says the wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Don't you love that the, the person who was the chief expert on Scripture in that day is hearing Jesus say this, and he even is going, Jesus, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense to me. Help it make sense to me. Can I just help you today? God will never fully make sense to you. Some of the hardest people that ever have trouble becoming Christians, it's always the same kind of person. It's people who are incredibly intellectual. Let me tell you why. It's not because there's not good answers. It's because incredibly intellectual people want to know how everything works. They want to know why it works that way. They want to know what the end goal is. They want to know why the end goal is that. They want to know who made it that way. They want to know who started it and who finished it. They want to know all about it. That's not the experience we have with Jesus. Let me tell you what I always found comfort in. I want my doctor, my lawyer, and God to be far smarter than me. Because if I could do any of their jobs, then I wouldn't need them. I love when my judge, when the lawyer goes in and says stuff I don't understand. You know what? Pull out some laws ain't nobody ever heard of. Please tell them some exemptions that nobody knows about. I love when the doctor comes in and goes, there's a research study project nobody knows. Please tell me that. I need them to know stuff that I don't know. So if the predicator to me giving my life to God is that I understand him, you're never fully going to. And this is what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. He goes, how does this work? Jesus, I don't understand it. And Jesus says, it's like the wind, it comes here to there, and you can't explain it, but so are people who are born of the Spirit. Jesus replied, Nicodemus says, how is this possible? And Jesus replies, you're a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. There is a big difference in believing in Jesus and believing on Jesus. And this is what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. Early 1900s, there was a man who was a famous tightrope walker, and he decided he was going to do the tightrope walk of all tightrope walks. He was going to stretch a tightrope from the, across Niagara Falls, from the American side all the way to the Canadian side, and he was going to tightrope walk across the whole Niagara Falls. He was going to do it with no supports, no harnesses, no chains, no hooks, no catches, no nets. Thousands of people came out to watch him. As he prepared, they all watched, and he started, and he began walking, and to everyone's amazement, he made it all the way across to the Canadian side. People cheered. Ah! From the other side, he shouted back, do you think I can return? Yeah, yeah. So he comes back again. He gets to the other side. He goes, do you think I can do it backwards? Yeah, you can do it backwards. Okay, he begins to walk backwards across all of Niagara Falls. He gets to the other end and says, do you, do you think I could do it with a wheelbarrow? Yeah, yeah. He gets a wheelbarrow. And he walks the wheelbarrow all the way across. 
He gets to the other side and now he's with the whole crowd and they're cheering him on how amazing he is. And then he turns to the crowd and says, do you think I can go back with the wheelbarrow? Yeah, you can go back with the wheelbarrow. And then he says, who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? You good. <laughs> no hands went up, surprisingly. Do you think I can go back with the wheelbarrow? Yeah. So who wants to get in? This is the difference then between believing in Jesus and believing on Jesus. Nicodemus believed in God. He believed in spiritual things. He was aware of spiritual things. He just hadn't based his entire life on it yet. Jesus says there's a difference. You're a respected Jewish teacher, and how do you not understand these things? Listen to me, believers. If you don't ever understand the difference between the physical world and the spiritual world, life will be difficult for you. Because there are always those two things at play in all of our lives. There's always these two forces in play for each and every one of us. Nicodemus, how do you not understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe me if I tell you about heavenly things? Don't you love that Jesus is going, hey, and, and just this helps me. This helps me a ton. Because maybe you've thought, I would believe if God just sat down in front of me. If he just sat down in front of me and told me, I'd believe it. This is what you're getting to watch. You're getting to watch Jesus sitting down in front of someone and explaining how the whole process works. And at the end of it, he says, listen to me, you've got to understand the spiritual reality. How can you believe heavenly things if you can't even believe what I'm telling you now? Hey, can I help you what Jesus would say to us today? You want answers and help for a lot of parts of life, but how do you want those things if you've yet to build your life on the Word of God? If you've yet to fill yourself with it every day? If you've yet to make it not a part of your life, but your entire life? We've got to believe on, not just in, but if you don't believe me when I tell you earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. I want you to hear this. This is God's love letter from you to you and me today. This is how God loved the world. How many have children in here? Your children ever come down and like accuse you of not being a good parent? You ever have those moments? You don't get me the stuff I want. You don't love me or else you would have let me. If you really cared, you do. You probably say the same thing I say. Shut up. Go brush your teeth with that toothbrush I paid for. Go put the drawers on that I bought. Go get in the car that I paid the payment for. Go to the school that I pay for. Eat the food that I made for you and your mama packed for you. Shut up. What do you mean we don't love you? Our whole life revolves around you. Everything we do is for you. I wake up early thinking about you. Go to sleep thinking about you. Work hard for you. What do you mean I don't love you? You know what's amazing? I think this is what God says to us in these times. For this is how God loved the world. And when we go, God, do you love us? Do you care about us? God, do you even hear? Do you see what's going on in my life? For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. 
This is huge. Do you know what it means to be a Christian? That actual first word takes place. They were first called Christians in Antioch. Antioch was a place in in the Bible. And the first time anyone ever called someone a Christian, it was in this place called Antioch. And that word that they used just means little Christ. So every time they said Christian, it was someone that in their mind was a little Christ. What did Christ do? He healed people. He saved people. He loved on people. He encouraged people. He helped people. So when they saw little Christ, they expected all of the same things. Hey, can I help you out today? You are a little Christ to people. Your job is not to judge people. Your job is to love people. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict people. And God's job is to judge people. And any time we get those out of order, people get upset with us and we get upset with people. Jesus did not come to judge the world, but to love. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. He did not come to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Do you know what this means? And you've seen this in life. This means if you don't figure this out, your life is a consequence in its own. You know people who do life hard and they just never get it. And you just go, life's not that hard. Like you don't have to go around that same thing 20 times. Why are you doing that to yourself? Why do you? Because if you don't ever figure the spiritual part of life out, life is a judgment of its own. It's hard. It's painful. It's miserable. It's impossible to survive if you don't have something sustaining you on the inside. Jesus came to save the world. There's no judgment for anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. I want you to hear this. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light. Why is there judgment? Because God did everything he could do. And at the end of the day, it's our choice to choose if we want the things of God or the things of this world. And here's what he says. He says, sometimes people just love the darkness more than they love the light. Sometimes people choose painful, hard life instead of choosing the spirit. But that's never what God designed us for. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light. Why? For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. You remember that when you first became a Christian or when you first started going to church, probably like me, I was like, I can't go into church. If I go into church, the walls are going to burn down. You just step your foot in there across the threshold just to make sure. All right, good. Everything's still standing. All right, now I can walk in. That's what they mean. When you don't understand this, being around this is like judgment. It's like, oh, no, I don't know if somebody can find out. What if, they, what if they saw me out? What if they saw me with so? If they... But those who love the light... Those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Believers, can I tell you this? You are only as sick as your secrets. You are only as sick as your secrets. I love this because it's a picture of us every day. He goes, if you hate the light, you don't want to run towards intimacy with God. You don't want to be close to him. It's hard for you to be near God when there's things hidden in your heart. But if you understand who God is and if you understand his love, you want to uncover all of those things intimacy with God. When the Bible talks about us knowing God, this word the Bible uses, know, is this word gnosko. And this is the same word God uses when he talks about Adam knowing Eve in Genesis. And Adam knew Eve. Adam gnoskoed Eve, and they produced a child. This word, know God, is talking about an intimate relationship and connection with the creator of the universe that births things in your life. Intimacy. Do you know why God uses the same word? Because it actually requires the same things, intimacy with him and intimacy with your spouse. It requires you to be vulnerable. 
It requires you to be naked. It requires you to be stripped of things that cover you and hide you. And in that moment, you get to go, God, here I am. This is me. This is all I got, God. But if you can fill me and if you can refresh me and if you can keep me, God, then what you can do through me is greater than what I can ever do in my own strength. As I close, Jesus is laying out this morning two different realities that all of us live in on this earth. The reality of the physical world is very real. And the reality of the spiritual world. There was a man who was in the first service, and he's been coming to the church for two years. Two years ago, he came up to me after a message like this, and he said, Christian, I've prayed that prayer many times, and nothing ever happened in my life. I I just don't know. I like church, but I just don't. It's like I I I have a pretty good life on my own. Like I don't really feel like I need a lot from God. Like everything's kind of good in my life. And I said, well, great, then just just hang out as long as you want. Be here, you know, until you don't want to be here anymore. And so for two years, he's been coming to church. The whole time, I know that he's kind of like skeptical about all of it. Family comes. God's working in all their lives. Every Sunday, he's just sitting there looking at me, kind of like, convince me, Mexican. You know, he just looks at me. And, and then, I know for those of you that are new here, you're like, you're a Mexican? How are you that tall and you're a Mexican? Yes, I'm the tallest Mexican in captivity. So we, we've, he's been sitting there after this service. He comes up to me after the first service, and he's sobbing. He goes, I, I see it. I see it. So what do you mean? Because I, I see, I see the spiritual part. I see there's a different world. I see there's a whole other part of this thing that I've been missing. It's the spirit of God that wants to live inside of me. And it's not about being good or bad. It's about being spiritually alive or spiritually dead. And the extent of my connection to Jesus is going to be the extent of the fruit I bear in my life. Not how good I am. Listen to me. I am good, but marriage will still be hard if it's just me being good. I am good, but building with people is hard if good's all you got. I'm good, but but if good is all you have, you can only get you so far. The fruit you need in your life, the power you need in your life, the end goal that you need is not to be connected to better. It's going to be connected to the Spirit of God that lasts forever. That you're going to reside with for eternity. And all of us have a choice every day. To put more weight in the physical world than we do in the spiritual world. I want you every day in your relationship with Jesus to see the wheelbarrow. That every day you wake up you have an opportunity. To stand on the shores and cheer Jesus on. Yeah, whoa, that was exciting Jesus. You're great at that. We're to jump into the wheelbarrow ourselves. And go, God, I'm going to believe what your word says more than what my eyes see. God, I'm going to believe in the spiritual reality more than I do in the physical reality in front of my very eyes. And when you do that, you live a life that's transformationally, that's transformative, that's different. You impact places. You carry something with you that other people don't have because this isn't all you see. You see more. You see different things. And you can only live that life empowered by the Spirit in the presence of God. One of my favorite preachers in history of the world was a man named George Whitfield, And he preached in the Great Awakening in England in the early 1900s. And he was a famous Bible expositor. He would preach open air to crowds of 10,000 people with no microphone. That's like amazing. If you're a preacher, that's like Michael Jordan stats, okay? 
10,000 people, open air, no microphone. That's wild. And one of the things he used to always say that became a tagline of mine young. If I'm honest, it was a tagline when I was young and foolish. I'd say it on nights when I was trying to get home and hoping Jesus got me there. Here's what he would say. I'm invincible until the Lord calls me home. I am invincible until the Lord calls me home. And let me tell you what you hear in this statement. You hear a meeting of the two worlds. You hear a meeting of these two worlds in this. And in moments where everyone else sees physical, you see, I'm invincible until God calls me home. I've been on turbulent planes before that got rocky. People love to pray when a plane ride gets rocky. It's amazing. Everybody wants to get saved when turbulence hits on a plane. Immediately, oh my God, God, please, God, please. People look over, you scared? I'm totally fine. How, you're not scared? Nope. I got to preach in Florida and I'm invincible until the Lord calls me home. And you're in luck because you're sitting next to me, which means if I got to get there, then you got to get there too, because the only way we both get in there is if the plane doesn't go down. God, thank you for getting us there. Hey, I put more weight in the spiritual than I do in the physical. I understand what I see with my eyes, but I know the God I serve is capable of doing more than you or I could ever ask, think, dream, or imagine. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me today? God, thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy in our lives. God, thank you for your faithfulness. God, thank you that it's not about us being better, doing better, working harder. God, it's about us submitting to the Spirit of God in our lives. It's about you filling us and refreshing us and breathing life into us like only you can so that we can go out and be catalysts for change in the world around us. God, we love you. Thank you, God, that you've already done everything you could do for us. You sent your son. You made a way for us to enter eternity forever. Thank you, God. Today, we return back to you. On Father's Day, God, we say you are an amazing father. Your word says that you're a father to the fatherless, God. So it doesn't matter what earthly father we had or what our experience was here, that you are capable of replacing and renewing all of those things. Thank you, God. Today we put our hope and our trust in you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and maybe some of you here that say, Christian, that sounds awesome, but, man, I've never, I've never had that experience. I've experienced church or I've experienced religion, but I've never experienced a genuine relationship with the creator of the universe. Not based off of how I could, good I could be or if I could perform. Simply based off his sacrifice on the cross for me and my need for him in my life. If that's you today and you say, Christian, I want to start that journey with Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is just between you and God. I simply want to pray for you right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to come up here or do anything crazy. I just want to pray with you this morning so you can have the same experience that so many of us have had today. If that's you and you say, Christian, I want to start that relationship with God. I need the spirit of God to come alive inside of me. I need to be born again. That's you this morning. Would you just slip your hand up so I can pray with you this morning right where you're at? Amen. 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 You can put your hands down. And at Valley Rise, we all pray this together. So you can pray it out loud. You can say it under your breath. You can pray it in your heart. As long as you mean it is what I ask. Would you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, today I recognize my need for you. Thank you, Jesus, for living a life I never could have lived. But you did it so that I wouldn't have to. Jesus, I believe you went to the cross to pay for my sin bill so that I wouldn't have to. Thank you, Jesus. I accept your gift. And then, Jesus, on the third day, I believe you rose again to give me new life, hope, 
and freedom. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I choose to love you. I choose to serve you. I choose to seek you all the days of my life. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said, amen. Would you give a hand to those who just made the greatest decision of their lives? Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.